fans where the Roy Keenan Sports marketing Tim Crow and me, Kevin Riley, Alan Corporal fan engagement, at least when it comes to hair loss, speak with a guest about their experiences as a fan. This week it's Seb White from Mundial. Seb is a fan and director of Hampton and Richmond Borough FC but also still holds a candle for Yeovil Town Football Club, the club he was born into supporting. Go to mundialmag.com to find out more about Mundial, the sometime magazine, full-time agency and consultancy celebrating football and fan culture. Brilliant stuff. Don't forget to go to fanengagement.net to find out more about fan engagement and enjoy the episode. I'm gonna. I'm, I might occasionally slip into calling you Seb Brown, but that's purely because <laughs> Seb Brown played for Wimbledon, um, helped us to <laughs> in 2011. Um, now, actually, a coach at Sutton United. Yes. Can't really call them local rivals to Hampton and Richmond anymore, I'm afraid, because they're now a league club, so they're now our rivals at Wimbledon. Um, but never mind. That's all right. Um, Hampton. Just while I while I'm on this, because I've wanted to say this for ages. Do you still do a comb in a case at Hampton? That was one of the items that some Wimbledon fans spotted when, when we were coming up against Alan Devonshire's team. Yeah. Um, um, uh, uh, when, when you were sort of attempting to try to get into the, the National League, um, we, we, would, we would spot, so people would post a picture of this, this I was going to say fantastic comb in a case, but it wasn't. It was a wretched looking comb in a case. And it was a Hampton and Richmond branded comb in a case. <laughs> so I presume, Seb, given your your stylish, you know, your, your <laughs> man, you're someone whose influence I would imagine would be brought to bear. You've banished the comb in a case to the bottom drawer. <laughs> I I haven't because I didn't know there was such a thing. But shame, <laughs> Seb. I would have done. I would have done. But um, although saying that, there's something a bit, yeah. Scenery. So, <laughs> it might be a little thing to introduce to the club shop. Well, think, and, and and you know, you 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 it could be something that you could use yourself, unlike myself, <laughs> and my co-host. So yeah. look, um, Seb, uh, I've known you. I would go through this. I've known Seb. I think. I mean, we haven't spoken very much for quite a while, but I first met you when you were running Stand, um, Stand AMS, Stand Against Modern Football, the fan, essentially a national fanzine. Yeah. Um, Kind of in, you know, probably in some senses, a sort of little brother of when Saturday comes in terms of its roots. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's a compliment. Um, and when I met you, you were, for me, you were part of a group of, of fans, of activists, of people who cared about the game, who I would very much sort of put alongside the likes of Spirit of Shankly at Liverpool, who kind of, um, when people like you started caring about um, the ownership of clubs and the way that clubs were behaving and the work that we were trying to do as supporters direct particularly, then I felt like we were beginning to reach a completely different audience and that we were expanding our reach. We were beginning to get to people that that, that meant we weren't going to be regarded as quite so niche as we were, which we kind of were for on and off. We, 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 we certainly, at times, it was difficult to get into the, you know, the higher echelons of the game, kind of be regarded as a bit more sort of, mainstream if you like um so i I partly like to thank you for that because i think you put a lot of work in and it was important you got us out into places we didn't get into 
um, so easily, and that was great. So um, now, now what you do is run Mundial. Now it was a magazine. Mm. Uh, you stopped printing the magazine during the first. Well, really, in my view, the only lockdown we've had. It was the you know the proper lockdown where we could. Yeah. Challenge. You're you're not. Are you going back to printing, or are you sticking with your sort of multimedia work now? Um, and and number two, explain exactly what Mundial is. Yeah. Um, people please well i'll start i'll start with what mundial is uh back in off the back of stand which is a fact like you said the fanzine that i was i set up with my friend dan sanderson who's also part of mundial we really enjoyed that 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 fight for a brief period but i think there was a realization that we weren't going to turn, turn around this huge juggernaut and maybe we went in there a bit naive maybe you know, but why not? That's, that, that's fine. I don't, I don't regret it. But I think there was a realisation that we were talking about a lot of things. Whilst we were talking about bad things about football, we were also talking about a lot of things that we loved about football and the reason we fell in love with football in the first place. And then the World Cup came along in 2014 and we kind of used that as a jumping off point for why we, why we love football. Everyone remembers their first World Cup and we used examples of that in, in, a, in what was supposed to be a one-off issue of a magazine. And we pulled together a lot of the people, illustrators, photographers, writers, that had been part of Stand, you know, and people that we'd met. And that was supposed to be a genuinely one-off magazine. We both, we both had quite good jobs. You know, I was lucky enough to be working in football in TV, uh, making documentaries for the Sky Sports and the like. So, but that sold out within a couple of weeks, the magazine. And straight afterwards, we got approached to, and basically fans and brands, which made a difference, said, are you going to do another one? We were kind of like, oh yeah, we may as well. Yeah, we did another one. So we did another one. It wasn't quite, didn't have quite the same feel or the same, I think we maybe rushed it out a little bit. And then we realised that we needed a bit of help and, and we couldn't just do do it on our own. It couldn't be fanzine style like Stand was, which was fine. You could you could knock that out. If we were charging seven quid for a magazine, which you know some people used to always say was expensive, but independent magazine, good quality paper stock, and some might argue too good quality paper stock and too expensive, but um, bit bit factory records that. But uh, <laughs> it, it needed it needed to um, it needed to be good. So we did that, and then as part of that, we started doing work with all manner of brands, um, clothing brands, uh, lifestyle brands, football brands, off the back of that, um, from little things to printed publications, specific to boot launches, to kit launches, to videos for, for bigger brands. And all the, and that just kept on going and going, really, until eventually it became, um, became a full-time job. And um, a few of us, we took a couple more people on board, Owen, who's, who's with us now, and Sam, who's, who's recently left, but there's... There was four of us and then we grew and grew and it's been a hell of a journey uh, to the fact that we've just the last 18 months or so started moved into audio and telling football stories in audio uh, with Spotify and just last week we won the best uh, sports podcast in the British Podcast Awards so it was giant so Mundial started as a one-off thing it wasn't supposed to be this huge thing and this huge you know like I said this ended up being a job and a business that we that we own but yeah, that's how it all that's how it all started, and and that's that's where we are now. And we, but obviously, like every business, we've been massively affected by lockdown. Our issue twenty one, which we put the most work into of any issue previously, came out. It was out in WH Smith three days before the WH Smith shut, 
before uh, during the lockdown. So, you know, thousands and look, no one's making money on a magazine in a 20, uh, 20 certainly not independent magazine in, in 20, in, in 2021, 2020. So that really hit us really. So we had to, um, we put pause on it. We'd love to bring it back. We'd love to bring it back and get back to that. You mentioned when Saturday covers before, being a subscriber for that for 25 years, to read shoot, you read 90 minutes, used to read United Be Stand, fanzines all around from around the country. We'd love to do Keep Doing a Magazine. Unfortunately, reality sometimes gets in the way. Uh, yeah. But certainly our intention to unpause it, just we need more, if, if and when we do, we need to make sure that it's, it's right because mm. we are at this moment, we are, we're a business now, so we have to be, yeah. I always feel a bit weird saying that because we never set it, we never set it up. It doesn't feel like it really, no? <laughs> no. And again, I'm lucky. I, I, I get to, you know, I get to work in football again and, and I get to choose who we work with and what we do. And it, yeah, I'm extremely lucky, but yeah, it's a business, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you have to be mindful of that, which to be fair, has influenced a lot of what I thought about football a bit more in, in recent times, but yeah, we'll come on to that. Okay, well, yeah, that's a, that's a, right. So, but as a fan, now, um, when I met you, you were, I think you were pretty much following Yeovil home and away, weren't you? I, I, pretty maybe much, I'm getting yeah. that slightly wrong. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And um, now you're, are you on the board or are you just called director? You're on the board yeah. of Hampton, Richmond. I mean, I have to say being, being exposed to realities of football and the way that clubs have to be run, the difficult decisions that good clubs make, I'll, I'll say, if I put it that way, that it does make you think slightly differently about, <laughs> about you know, I, I find myself, I found myself gradually becoming so much more sympathetic, not, not giving excuses to, but being much more sympathetic with the people having to make the decisions. I don't, I never buy the idea of the fans make me do it. I've heard that a few times. Um, Sorry, don't be there if you don't want. Um, if you don't want, uh, if you can't deal with making sensible decisions, but the pressure is difficult. It's very difficult to deal with, and you've got to make. You have got to make really sharp decisions, haven't you? And and mm. that kind of pressure. So, fans, you know, did they ask the fans? It's about this idea that fans. Well, it's not an idea; it's a truth that fans don't get listened to. Really, I mean, it's sort of, yeah, arm's length to some extent. You're, I mean, that's kind of in your journey a lot, isn't it? It's been yeah, essentially you yeah, didn't listen to it over. Yes. What was it? Born and bred Yeovil Town fan. Remember me, granddad, me dad. Watched the ground being built. Watched us rise, rise up non-league, out of non-league. Did the first, or no, not the first Yeovil fanzine, but the most long-running Yeovil fanzine with my mates. Set up a, a group of supporters, London supporters, London-based supporters. Um, yeah, but you couldn't be, you know, you couldn't have found someone probably more Yeovil than them. Um, or, you know, or more dedicated to yoga, or certainly in various ways and different ways than, than myself and the others I used to hang around with. So, but yeah, and here I am now in 2021, and I haven't been to yoga game for, I don't know, five, six years now, I think. And the only one I did go to was when Hampton Richmond played them. But that all, all the reason I'm in that position now was mainly because I was, a as a fan, the owners for, for just so long, for almost a decade, just didn't listen just didn't listen and it was okay I always say this it wasn't it wasn't Venkies it wasn't Oyston's level it wasn't maybe Glazer's level but um for a little club like Yeovil it did, did tear the tear the heart and soul out of it I think and and anyone that I used to go and watch football with and watch Yeovil with in the 
in the, in the back in the day you know they've all changed their mindset on on what the oval is and what from what it was which is a real shame because that's what is it, what is it now Seb do you think I think well unfortunately we went from one terrible owner terrible owners sorry two owners right. to, let's just say an owner who maybe n might not have a hundred percent the interests of the of Yeovil uh, and, and his supporters in his in his head never been to Yeovil game before which I think is I think not having someone in, within the board or at least oh yeah I'm not saying every single club should be owned by a fan I'm not saying that at all and again I know that's unrealistic but this guy had no idea about Yeovil two years two and a half years ago three years ago and right now he's in charge of a club which also happens to have a lot of land which is one of the reasons the main reason I felt like we fell out of the football club is because they divided the land and gave it to themselves. And then they said to attract investment, but we all knew uh, that that would not be the case. And sure enough, eight years later, it didn't prove to be the case. And it hasn't got, you know, hasn't got, there was a chance, I know there was a consortium of global fans that people that I knew with, with a bit of money, with a bit of, know how with a bit of you know a bit of outside influence as well from other people you do need that you can't be blinded but they that got turned down in favor of a slightly bigger check and in the other in some real trouble now with the, trying to do deal the, the current owners trying to do deals with the council uh to try and offset the losses of course all football clubs have suffered during covid it's a convenient uh thing to say though for i would say the current owner of uh of the town and unfortunately it's a it's a football club that went from the non-league to the championship and it's back in the non-league and I just can't see it changing anytime soon. And right. as we've always, I'm not that doesn't matter too much because what happens on the pitch sometimes, that's football, isn't it? You can be, you can lose games, you can have you can do this, that's fine. But I just can't see the long-term future of the other was as shaky as ever. And I feel really sorry for all my mates that still go and all the people that I do that you know that still go and it's a real shame it's become what it has because it was two decades ago an incredible football club with great people and unfortunately that in the end I had to just say enough was enough you know not many people do that and uh, I just decided enough was enough and um, I couldn't I couldn't put myself through it anymore I couldn't put myself through those late nights of anguish and shouting at people in the, into the void on Twitter and stuff like that or uh, and you'd, you'd be watching though they're live on TV against the mighty Shaman, the mighty FC Halifax Town early in September will you be watching do you know what I, I have watched them in a couple of live games just because um, I've, I, I quite like again what happens on the pitch the manager seems a decent sort and obviously the tragic what happened with Lee Collins the captain uh, yeah. the club the, dealt with it in that sense I'd say the club more the manager and the players dealt with that was, was, was quite humbling and it was quite nice to see last game I saw before lockdown was Halifax away at Yeovil funny enough yeah um, I wish I hadn't, I wish I hadn't seen it because we were absolutely abysmal <laughs> you, you won at a canter with 10 men yeah uh, we were we were absolutely abysmal I'm, tr I'm still trying to forget the game. I wish, I wish. Jim, you're not going to manage to do that if every time we speak you mention the fact that the last game you watched was, <laughs> was that no, game. I had, to, I had to mention it to a man here who's, who's, who's thinks he's shouting into the void. I've got to, I've got to give him some crumb of hope about yes. his team. 
Well, so, yes. So, so, yeah. I ended up, I'm at Hampton Richmond now and, and I'm absorbed and connected to the, the fabric of the football club as, as I think I've ever been at Yeovil. Yeovil's in the past for you. It's interesting. You've, you've, you've just, you've just literally, that, that's it. I'm, I wouldn't have entirely shut the door. I did a podcast about it and it was called Yeovil Town, My Granddad, My Dad and Me. And it was basically the story of Yeovil Town's history the last 50, 60, 70 years, starting from the great game against Sunderland because everyone knew Yeovil Town. Yeah. And I did, it was quite cathartic and I did think I'd love one day to take my daughter to, to a Yeovil game um, just because that's what my granddad did for me, that's what my dad, you know, my, and my granddad did for my dad, the dad did for me. But yeah, I, I, I think too much water has gone under the bridge and... Um, it's not to say I'll never ever go back. I think I will. I've still got family down there and stuff. And yeah. To be honest, uh, I was looking forward to going to maybe a rep. Basically, I'm one of those football ground hoppers that like to tick rounds off the list. And I've never done Wrexham, so I looked at Wrexham away. But unfortunately, it's oh, first... Wrexham's a good. It's a good good day out actually. Wrexham. Yeah, been there many times. I know a few of the lads. That's there. Really, maybe we should do a pod about fans who have done what Seb's done, Kev, you know, I mean, just so sad to hear, isn't it? Someone saying, right, that's it. Yeah, yeah, because the thing, the thing about it is everyone, you know, we all know, we, we've all, we all know this, that everyone always says, yeah, well, your football club's for life. I've met more people than I care to remember who's, who kind of, I mean, some people who, who aren't um, associated with football don't understand it, perhaps. Will just kind of chuckle at this or sneer even, but kind of almost had their heart broken by their club. And yeah. it tends to be, and I'll say I'll, I'll say this, it tends to be people who, a bit like you said, deeply they get deeply into it, very passionate about it, really care. And very often they're people who I've who've who've been activists, who've got and and they've just they've not they're just something that, that at some point they go, I can't, you've ruined it for me. So whenever we talk about, whenever people talk about this loyalty and we'll always keep going back, yeah, yeah, that's true for a lot of people, but, you know, some Everybody, people yeah. just go, I can't, because it does become, actually, you start to forget why you went, <laughs> because actually, well, I know you went because you, you, your, your mum, your dad took you and your granddad went with you and all that stuff, but you carried on going because you enjoyed going, and I've said before as well, and I'm sure Tim could talk about some of the things, but certainly with me as an activist, I can say, I only became an activist. I only do what I do now because I cared a lot, a, a bit more than other people and got involved because I felt it was important I helped save the football club. I could have gone down the same road as yourself and other people I know, some people at Wimbledon who just went, you know, I can't let it, it's not for whatever reason, sometimes justifiable reasons, sometimes quite petty reasons would go, I can't go anymore. I, you know, I've, or sometimes you found that, all their relationships kind of fell apart. It's, it's an interesting one because I think for me, one of the problems is I, w I wouldn't even begin to know who else I would support, you know, but Seb, it's interesting that, you know, I guess it's easier to have it when you've got something that you can go to and throw your heart and soul into, which you clearly yeah. are doing. You know, I can't, I can't imagine that you would replace it with nothing, no, you know, no. and end up, I don't know, playing golf on Saturday afternoon. So, it would be is the kind of guy who who could who could not replace not put something into the void yeah exactly and uh, you know and I, I just went along to Hampton Richmond again talking about ticking grounds off the list 
I went to tick it off the list and um and they lost 4-0. Uh but I had a, we could have a pint while you're watching the game, which was a nice thing. Everyone was so welcoming. Lovely old fashioned non-league stadium that I sort of seen watching other Yeovil play at other teams. Went to the next one, went, kept and then just kept going. And then it just it just sort of took took place. But I totally agree with you. I don't, I don't think um I think it was it was it was just the right time, and I think what you talked about before about um, I think I always see it as um, a sort of joke sometimes that they're my they're my second wife. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeovil was my first love, and will always be my first love. And, and yeah, but you divorced them. I, I think yeah, but and I, you know I might cast admiring glances at them every yes. now. And then, but yeah. <laughs> This is beginning to remind me of one of, I don't know how, probably not as familiar as me, as one of Sam Hamam's speeches about Merton Borough Council or, you know, falling falling in love with Cardiff City as he would often come out with these dreadful tales of falling in love with this and divorcing that, usually over, usually something to do with the fact that he couldn't get the enabling development sorted for the stadium. <laughs> I don't think I'll get it super saying that. Um, but but it, it, you work in it as well, Seb, right? It's It's... It's all enveloping. It's all encompassing. It you, you so um, that when you go, you know, when you're going along, you know, you're working, doing, and it is just football work that you do, isn't it? Is that right? Predominantly, we've just done a series with Eurosport, but yeah, predominantly yeah. football. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is it. Sort of. I'm not going to sort of. Yeah, I mean, you know, compromise because, and I would sort of say the same. I suppose. In some senses, I, I kind of almost like to ask the question, I suppose it goes to Tim as well, in a way, actually. Well, I can sort of, I think I know the answer because you're quite straight about stuff, Tim. So for me, you don't compromise on how you view football because when someone says, what should we do here? You go, well, if you don't do it, if you don't follow these particular steps, you're going to mess it up. So you need to listen to what I'm telling you in terms of how you want to work with football. Don't make the mistake that other people make. Do you, can you do that yourself? Seb, I mean, I think, as I say, I think this is something you two could talk about much more, in a much more informed way than me. Do you do you find are there sometimes compromises you feel a bit awkward about making? About you know maybe I mean you know mate, you do choose who you work with, but yeah, is that always possible because we know, especially the last year and a half, cash has been, you know, short. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're, yeah. Well, the first thing I think of is coming from the stand background and then moving into Mundial and then. One of the key things we've always said that we want to be is authentic. You know, I'm a Yeovil Town fan. Um, Dan's a Liverpool fan. Owen's a Liverpool fan. James is a uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers fan. We go to games. We go to matches. You know, and I'm not saying that as oh, you, you know, if you don't go to games, you don't understand football. But we never say that. What we say is, if we're going to games and we're experiencing football as it should be experienced, not on a screen at the, uh, you know. Might be a great ground. It might be Tottenham Hotspur away ground. You know, Tottenham Hotspur's ground, White Hart Lane, which is incredible. It might be a tiny, it might be Lee RMI, whatever, and it might be completely different. But that authenticity. So we have that, and that's what we've always. That's one of. We've never had a business plan really, or a, a core values, or anything like that, which you, which most businesses should have, obviously. But we've always just said we've got to be authentic, and of course we've. We've turned things down. There's no doubt about it. Sometimes, and to the detriment of our of the balance, so-called balance sheet. That's because, you know, we 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 just 
it wouldn't be right. I mean, we we had quite a dilemma when we got off the work by gambling brands. And of course, every, you know, there is, it's everywhere, isn't it? And they've got, they've got deep pockets. So uh, Labrooks came to us and said, we want to make some films. And we went, okay, what sort of films do you want to make? And we, and we, and we, we, ste we steered it around to the fact that it had to be about fans, it had to be about the people and culture around those clubs that they were working with. And it couldn't, it couldn't be plastered with £10 free vets or whatever, you know, very obvious. Now, you, it's got the logo at the end, so it might, you might argue there's no difference to that because we're still advertising Abrooks and we're still, you know, still using, using that. But I'm, I'm, well, until I was a director, obviously you're not allowed to gamble when you're a director, but until then, I would, I'd have a £10 accumulator on the football every weekend and I had done for 10, 15 years. It didn't, obviously there's extremes. So we, we reasoned it ourselves out with, in that sense. But yeah, there's, there's, there's things we've turned down. There's things we will turn down if we just think that they're not authentic to football culture. And we know we've seen the examples so many times of, of people getting football wrong. You know, that, that it's is an interesting one, isn't it? Betting? Because I, you know, I get, I absolutely get where people are getting from about it, but betting is an authentic part of football culture and was, you know, because the problem here is, let's be, absolutely candid about it the problem is that the way the market was deregulated didn't work it was it became a free-for-all very very quickly and it's interesting you know when you look at what the states is doing now they're taking a very different admittedly it's a, a decentralized approach but they you know everybody who's, who's who's looking at this in the states is looking across at europe and particularly at the uk seeing how we got it wrong but you know I can remember going to football in the late 60s early 70s with my dad and my uncle and my granddad and having a bet on you know whatever it was was part of it as it was getting home and you know feeling you know listening to the pools exactly. so so I kind of find myself in a in an interesting position on that one which is I have to say in the minority now because everyone's saying we just need to get it out of the game, um, and I and I absolutely get why they're doing why, why they're doing that. But I've always felt that it is, it's part of the game, you know. And the fact is that one in ten people, for as long as you can remember, have liked to bet. You know, that's that's just it's just the stuff. But I'm, I must say, I admire. You. I mean, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about being a pluralist which I am these days, apparently that's what I could, they, they, they say I am, is being able to pick and choose who you work with, which I'm in the fortunate position of, of being. And and, yeah. and I think that I, I really admire you for doing that because having run an agency for a long time, because of the money we weren't able, we weren't always able to do it, you know? Um, yeah. So I admire that. And I like the, I think the authenticity is really, really cool. And again, I think that can be misinterpreted because to me it's about authenticity of, of spirit and of understanding rather than, oh, that's right, that's wrong, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that. And every every project we've done, I think that's why we, the magazine was always our calling card and it was always the thing that we were most proud of because we had no one else telling us, oh, yeah. just take that bit off or move, you know, run that edge off or whatever, which happens when you when you work as an agency, because we are an agency as right. much as a magazine publisher, do you yeah. know what I mean? And that's, that's fine because it does pay the bills and we're fully aware of that and 
and look, people come to us for our expertise and we're lucky again, like yourselves, maybe less so in the recent months, but we're lucky to be able to pick and choose um, or at least have, have some element of choosing exactly what we work on. So we are lucky in that, but yeah, I think we know that we cater for a certain demographic of football fans and a certain, a certain type of football fans. We know that that isn't going to change the world. Um, maybe a little bit like stand in that sense as well. Maybe looking yeah. from that, but it's not. We're not going to change the world. But I think we mentioned it some, to someone recently. We said that you know, in, if you get the football demographic or the football line of football fans, all these whatever four billion football fans in the world or X amount, whatever it is, we do a very small part of it, but we go deep down into that part of it, and, and hopefully people re it resonates with what you know, whether it's our social media, whether it's our yeah. we'll do for a brand, or whether it's you know, the pair of trainers that we'll talk about or whether it's, you know, uh, we, and this is the thing that I, I've often found most difficult on Monday hours. People get, I mean, social media is like that anyway. People can either be, we have a really like it, we really hate it and there's no in between, I get that. Uh, and when, yeah. But when people get really, really quite passionate and we're in our replies and quite aggressive to us and it's like, look, that's fine. You, If you don't, like what we do or how we do it, absolutely fine. There's plenty of other ways to absorb football, talk about football, and that, that's absolutely fine. But sometimes I find that's the one thing that it's like, oh, come on, you know, we're, we're, you're a football fan. Like you said, it's not right or wrong, which is this type of football fan doing this type of thing. You yeah. crack on, you, you go and, you know, I don't like, I don't really, couldn't give a monkeys about I think you're being very modest work. I get I get that you you think that you address a niche, but actually I think tonally what you do and the spirit of what you do resonates far beyond that constituency because it because of that authenticity. Oh, I think that's why I think that's why you get the work that you do. Yeah, I think of course, and that's why we get big big companies coming to us and and, and asking us to be part of this or make a video for this or tweet this. Yeah, of course, of course. But I think the one thing you have to always be careful of is, and again, this comes back to being able to chew, pick and choose is if you, if you go with the wrong one or, the, or not necessarily the wrong one, but if you go with a different one that doesn't quite fit that market, it can look so fake and false. And we've told brands this before. You might think that we are the perfect vehicle for that. But if we put this on our Instagram, Twitter, whatever, the comments will be so yeah the comments and replies will be so not not always solely negative but they'll be so different to what you want so what's the point yeah. you shouldn't meet the fans exactly it, it, it's exactly and it, it look it's 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 great fun i'm like I, I you know when i met Ke when i first met kev i was had a great job and did a fanzine on the side now i've got a business that hopefully is coming out the other side like everyone else and I'm very, very lucky and hopefully that we can carry it on one, one way or another. But yeah, football, going to football, that will never, you know, I'm, I'm a, you mentioned it earlier on there, Kev, about football, working in football and then going to football. Sometimes I think, oh, I'm sick of football because <laughs> of the two things. But nothing, nothing is better than a Saturday afternoon, wherever you are or whenever it is. Or I, 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 I have to say that, I, you know, I sometimes think to myself, um, you know, I, I, in fact, I just got a job as a lecturer um, at UCFB and um, in football business and media. 
and that I'm going to publish this after all the contracts have been signed. So I, I will hopefully still have a job. Um, but um, uh, doing that and then running think fun engagement, all that sort of stuff. I've I've worked it out. My experience for going to a match is nothing like what I do. Um, 364 days of the well, sorry, the, the other six days of the week or whatever it is, because I go out to football. I'm either with Sam, you know, with my son, mm. um, trying to keep him, trying to keep him concentrated on the game from what <laughs> um, or you know, I'm with my mates and having a drink. Obviously, you haven't been out to do that for a while. Um, so actually, when I think about it. You know, I'm talking about, I spend most of my time talking about organisations and how they work yeah. and how they function and how they deal with people. I don't really work, in that sense, I never really feel like I work in football. Um, it does, it, I, I remember, I, you know, I remember getting to a point where, when I worked for Supporters Direct, where every time I looked at a table, a league table, just in my head I was going, who's in debt, how much debt, who's the bad owner, what are the politics like? And I could, you know, I could feel my brain sort of, slowly dying yeah. and, and 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 i was sort of it was i felt a bit swamped by it but now but now i kind of felt i think i got over that and realized that yeah you know actually just the, yeah, the act of going to football is the bit that in the end all of this other stuff for me i love it i like you both um you know i love the fact that i can work in something that i love as much as i do um and i'm endlessly fascinated by it and by people so i will keep going you know i'm going to keep trying to work in what I do as much as I can, and I, you know, I really, really love it. But if it all went away tomorrow, I'd still be going to football. It wouldn't really matter yeah. to me. And I've, I've never had. I don't know about any of you, but I've never, I've never actually had a desire to work in football. I, I stumbled into it with a skill set that turned out to be useful, and eventually found that I could create my own sort of offer, and and that's kind of carried on that way. I don't. You two, maybe I don't know that your experience is different, but. I quite often get asked by senior people in brand marketing roles who, you know, they, they've always had a desire to go and work for the club they support, you know, and they get, and I always say, don't do it. Don't do it. Can I just say for the, for the record, no. <laughs> and that's not for any loaded reason. I would never work for the club I support. Not, yeah. Not. Yeah. Um, and I've seen some very sad cases of that, actually, that yeah. derailed, literally derailed people's careers. Yeah, exactly. I, you're not too far wrong, actually, Kev. I stumbled in, in my lap, I stumbled into football before I got a job. I wanted to work in football. That was my original aim, but I ended up working as an archive researcher for the, for the FA. And just because of my knowledge and back, and my, you know, football got me into that role. You know, yeah, I, I, I agree. Moving forward and going, you know, working around football and in different parts of football, making documentaries and stuff. That was just because I knew I used to read too many shoot magazines when I was a kid and read too many world soccer. So I knew far too much about football. So that was just a skill set I have. But yeah, I would never, I, I mean, I'd never say never, but I mean, I technically do work quite closely with obviously being a media director on doing you know doing all manner of things in between Monday Alpha Hampton Richmond wherever that's being sorting the sorting helping sort the kit out to you know advertising season tickets and stuff like that. But I think this is slightly different. I think I agree with you. Everyone I know that's worked for their football clubs and reading reading fanzines and 
of stories of you know, I think there was a, there was a Chelsea there was a Chelsea fan who ended up there was an article going doing the rounds I think it might have been when it Saturday comes a few years ago about a Chelsea fan who ended up editing the official magazine and how he thought it was going to be this amazing amazing thing and ended up being you know he saw underneath the he saw behind the curtains and that's, thought, it, that's yeah. it that's right you you you're stepping behind the curtain yeah and I think was slightly different don't get me wrong I think the decisions and the people you deal with, you see them day in, day out. I think obviously clubs at that level and higher up. And but yeah, it must be very, very hard for 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 people. And I, yeah, I would never say never. I don't know if you ever got to the championship again and they needed a media person. And might no, I, I, I just don't think. <laughs> I, maybe I just don't think I, you'd be there. You'd be there. You would. <laughs> we can see it. We can. The listeners can't. We can see it what in your eyes. Hang on, Tim. What was it? All this stuff earlier about flirting with who else and being no, no. back. He's back there. He's, he can see <laughs> it. You do hear people going back, but no, I think I think what you two have obviously both experienced, and certainly I've become aware of through reading fanzines, reading when Saturday comes, or knowing what happens at football clubs. Reading, you know, listening to the Price of Football podcast or something like that. You know that there is some horror. There's some football is 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 a such a murky murky business and you know that's the reason why i find myself in the position i was some couple of old fellows who were local businessmen done good bought into a football club suddenly eyes lit up because they might be able to make a bit of a wedge off of some of the land around the football club that wasn't even there so very it's it's very it's very tough it's uh, yeah i wouldn't um yeah, I wouldn't want to die. I, 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 we always joke, who doesn't think sometimes of what I'd do if I won the lottery? Well, I'll tell you what I wouldn't do is put it into a football club because then you well, we, saw, we saw that in Newport County and unfortunately now the fans own it and, and it's run a lot more sensibly. But Exactly, um, exactly. Just let, let me ask... Depends, it depends how much you want, isn't it, Seb? I mean, if you want... Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want 100 million, right, I'm sure 10 would find its way to Yeovil somehow, wouldn't it? Maybe, maybe, maybe two and a half year old or seven <laughs> in Richmond, but yeah. <laughs> Although I'm not allowed to do, you're not allowed to do that, are you not a chav? Well, it depends on what, it depends, it, you can be, you can, it's just, um, it, there's a rule that means it, it's kind of flagged up and a decision would yeah. have to be made. It's not, yeah. it's not against the rules, it would just have to be, you know, it depends if, you know, there are certain people who've got away with that. I'm not going to start going to it here, lest I lest I get myself in trouble. But we'll yes. tell you off off uh, off air where that's happened. But um, think, yeah. So first, um, I don't want this to become a. Well, actually, no, I sort of do. What's your first um, first the first Yeovil game you went to that you can remember, and what was the score? Come on. QPR FA Cup 1988 at home. Ooh. It was. I think I say in the podcast that I did that it was my sort of Sunderland moment that my granddad told me about when I was a kid. I mean, we lost, so it wasn't, it didn't end up being that moment, but yeah, a full Hewish, which is the, the ground was opposite my old school. I would see the floodlights from my bedroom. So to see that pretty much full and a, not Premier League team, it was Division One then, wasn't it? Mark yeah. Dennis and uh, Jim Smith and uh, yeah. Mark Falco and people like that. Yeah. People I read about in shoot magazines. That's the first one I remember. Properly. Dare, dare I, like I always have to do, Sean and Shoe on Wimbledon and everything. That, of course, being the year that we won the cup. Well, and this is the thing, my dad, my dad and granddad. Would have been Yoga Wimbledon. Carry on. Yeah, my dad and granddad would, that cup that year, 
my dad and granddad were like, we used to play them. We yeah. used to play them not that long ago, 15 in the Southern League. Yeah, yeah it would have been, yeah, 10, 10, 12. 10, 12 years ago. And there you are beating them. And, and, you know, and it's funny, I met Dickie Guy once at um, the FC Wimbledon game because obviously Kev, I, I know you, but I also know Mark Jones and a few of the other guys at FC Wimbledon. And talking to Dickie Guy about Yeovil, he, he thought, he, he, he considered it a swear word. He said, they were bastards down there. You know? <laughs> But Dickie, for those who don't know Dickie, Dickie's the president of Ursula Woman and was, was the, the guy who saved a penalty from dead shot Peter Lorimer. Um, not that, <laughs> that's all I can say up at Elm Road. But meeting, but meeting again, meeting, knowing Mark, knowing you, and knowing other guys from different clubs. I think I met Mark through Stand, maybe. Yeah, I think, I think it was through Stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interesting how many people a cup game is their first memory, their first game. Yeah. You know, I've always thought that's one of the things about the FA Cup that's really interesting is, you know, it, 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 that, that, I think that's one of the reasons why it is special because for many people it was there. It is their first game, even today. Yeah. What about, what about you, uh, Tim? I don't think I've ever asked you what, what the, the, your memory of your first, first game. Was it a white? Was, was, it a, a, was it a stultifying draw? It was, uh, it was Halifax Town nil, Bradford City nil. Yes! I've remembered this. I I still have the program, uh, <laughs> which my my dad bless him filled in the scores at half time. Remember in the old days there used to be, you know, there'd be the thing for the scores, like a little sort of scoreboard that they put up at half time. Like a guy would walk along with like like cricket score. No, you'll, you'll no that, mate, that was just a little bit before my time. I'm in my late. Yeah, so it's got it's got my dad had filled in the scores at half time and all that sort of stuff. He loved doing that, but yeah. It was, a, it was a really bad nil-nil draw. Uh, hence why 51 years later, I'm still, uh, you know, who wouldn't fall up? Yeah, league game, uh, Division 4, yeah. It's a wonderful tale, Tim. It's a wonderful tale. Um, Seb, I nearly called you Seb Brown. Um, of course, I've, I'm going to drag this from the, from the pre-recording. Seb Brown being the man who helped to send Wimbledon back into the Football League. Um, thank you for your time, Seb White. Um, it's been a long, long time. I've been trying to get you on on a podcast for a long time, and I'm glad it's because you're busy. I'm glad. No, I'm glad it's because you're busy. Apologies for taking. Apologies for yeah, you have, and apologies for taking so long. But no, it wasn't. It was not a sliding in the slightest. Um, but you know, I, every success for what you're doing, and if people hey, good want luck, Seven. I'll think of you on. So I might actually go to the game on. I think it's September the 4th, because yeah. I live in Glastonbury, not very far from Yeovil, as you know. Oh. So I, I think I, I think I would, I'll, but anyway, I'll think, I'll think of you, you know, will, will you actually be watching or will, will the, will you, will you be somewhere else? Oh, probably. What time is it? Kickoff? Uh, well, it'll be, with TV, it'll be a label, so it'll probably be 5.15, I would have thought. So I'll watch it in the bar at Hampton and Richmond if they're at home. <laughs> do they have BT Sport? They do. They do. There you go. There you go. Well, well. Yeah. Anyway, that's brilliant. Thank you, fellas. Um, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Seb. Yeah, good to see you, Kev. As always. Yeah, mundialmag.com. If anyone's interested, yeah, that's the place to go. Off this, but you know, if they are wondering where to find it, that's where it is, and it's 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 brilliant stuff. So best of luck with it all. I 
hope you enjoyed that episode of Did They Ask The Fans. You can hear more, plus Baz Chat and the Fan Engagement Chat via your favourite podcast app. Search Fan Engagement Pod or go to fanengagement.net for more. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 ye